Good morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing a new name in glory. This is a good old hymn. I was once a sinner, but I came pardoned to receive from my Lord. I was once a sinner, but I came pardoned to receive from my Lord. This was freely given, and I found that he always kept his word. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story, a sinner has come home. For there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. Forgiven I am found for Another good old hymn in the garden. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. of you in the Lord's house tonight, or this morning, not tonight, <laughs> this morning. 
I, you know what? It's because of the time change. You got up so early, right? I mean, it shifted the whole. Not really. That's good to have you in God's house. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for your many, many blessings to us. And I do ask that you be with us as we gather together, that we might honor you in our songs and our prayers as we look into your holy word, that it would be your word that stirs our hearts, that we might be conformed to your image. We thank you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
Would you please stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing before the throne of God above. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Would you lift up your voices as we sing together before the throne of God above. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me.
We appreciate that very much, ladies. Thank you. I would like you to take your Bibles with me, please, and turn to the Gospel of John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I'm going to read to you verses 19 down through 29. That's 10 verses. title of our message this morning is The Church Gathered. The Church Gathered. One of the interesting things about the Christian faith is we strive to maintain what the earliest church maintained. We're not looking to reinvent Christianity. We're not looking to reinvent our doctrine or our beliefs. We are always moving with technology and all of that kind of thing because it doesn't affect our theology. But when we go back into the Bible and we look at how people came together, they worshiped together, sang together, prayed together, went to God's word together. We find that throughout the scriptures. And this morning, as we come to John chapter 20, verses 19 down through 29, we find the church gathering together on the very Sunday night of the resurrection. And it reminds us that there we find the pattern set. Carries forth all the way through the book of Acts. It goes into the epistles that are written in the latter part of your scriptures. And even when we get to the book of Revelation and we look up into heaven itself, we see there the church gathered together to worship our Lord. And this morning as we come together, we reflect on how they gathered together. And we're reminded of how precious it is, how protected it must be, and how we need to embrace it, feed it, and foster it. The church is us. It's not the building. It's us. It's you and I coming together to worship our Lord. Let's ask his blessing. And then we're going to look here in John chapter 20. Father in heaven, I pray that you be with us as we look into these verses. Help us to see ourselves in the mirror of these scriptures. Each of us uniquely different. Each of us with our own fears, our own circumstances, our own struggles. Yet each one coming with a joy in our heart, wanting to lift up our voices unto you. I pray that we would draw from that which you have given us, this record of the earliest Christians. Help us to be inspired by their faithfulness. In Christ's name we pray, amen. John chapter 20, verse 19 down, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst. And said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, 
We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them, and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord, my God, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. When we look at this text, as I mentioned, we're going back in time. We're going back to the earliest time of Christianity. The earliest Christians themselves. There on the evening of the resurrection, as they gather together, we find believers, folks just like you and I, who've come together with all their own baggage, all their own life circumstances, all that was transpiring in their world at that time, they brought as they came to church that evening. We also find in the midst of them a skeptic. And sometimes in the midst of us all is that little question that pops up. That little doubt that arises, that little wonder, even as we, we ourselves can find ourselves a bit of a doubting Thomas, we find him there. And in the conclusion of it, what we find the Lord do is remind Thomas, yes, you believe in me because you see me, but blessed are those who will never see me or don't see me, yet they believe. That's you and I. You and I, I've not seen Jesus Christ, but I believe. I've not gone ahead and put my hand in the hole of his hand, or nor my hand in the hole in his side, but I believe. So when we read this text, we find people just like us. I started out by telling you that there were just believers. Believers gathered together. We find that in verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Lord, there came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. So we find these folks gathered together even in the midst of their fears. And maybe in your life at this time, maybe right now at this moment, maybe there are fears in your life, maybe struggles in your life. Maybe you look at the world events that are unfolding. I mentioned a minute ago that one year ago, this coming Sunday, next Sunday, a week from today, John and I got on a plane in, in Burlington, flew to New York, and from New York, we flew over into Turkey, and from Turkey, we flew down into Tel Aviv. And there we went all over Israel and we did all kinds of sightseeing. We saw all the, all the places that Jesus walked. We saw places where the Old Testament saints walked. But we couldn't go there now. You can't even fly into Tel Aviv. 
There are fearful things going on around the world. And maybe you don't need to go all the way to the other side of the sea to come to those fears. Maybe your fears come to your home. Maybe there's something in your life that truly has brought you to a place where when you close your eyes, instead of being able to slumber off in ease, you're worried about the things that are transpiring. These folks here, they've come together. They brought their fears with them. It tells us they assembled for fear of the Jews because Jesus had been crucified, buried, resurrected. There'd been a major tumult in the city. There were soldiers that were held accountable. There were governors and rulers who were asking questions. These folks gathered with their fears. But the amazing thing is, as they gathered together, there was Jesus. And we're reminded that the Bible teaches us that where there are two or more gathered in his name, there he is in our midst. He is here today. He is in our hearts. He dwells with us. He worships here with us today. And even as these folks came together with their fears, our fears are also dispelled. When you look at verse 19, it says, And Jesus came and stood in the midst, and he said unto them, Peace be unto you. And that's Jesus' message for you and I this morning as well. That's Christ's message for around the world. That is the lifelong, eternal message of the gospel. And that is that God brings to you and I the peace that passeth understanding. He offers to us that peace that allows us to pillow our head at night and know that God is with me because I have received him. We find a relief. Verse 20 tells us, And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. And you and I, when we look into the scriptures, and when we understand that our Christ lives, when we grasp the reality that yes, he went to the cross for us, Yes, he was buried, but he rose again and he lives just as they looked and they were glad. So you and I should be glad today. And we gather together because we're glad. This is not coming to a funeral. We're not coming together to mourn and weep. We're coming to celebrate. We lift up our voices and we sing. Because he lives. Because he is there for us. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe your relative is sick. Maybe you yourself. Maybe you have cancer or you're struggling with some uh, incurable disease. Or maybe your children are struggling or your marriage is failing. I mean, who knows what's going on in your personal life other than you and God. And yet Jesus says, I bring to you peace. And we, in return, say, yes, I am glad. I am glad that my Lord is with me, to walk with me through every valley. John 14, 27, Christ said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
He reminds us that what he offers us is not what the world offers, but it is a deeper, personal, spiritual peace that goes far deeper within us than the surface things of this world. I, had, uh, I have news headlines that come on that little magic device we keep in our pockets there, those, those smartphones. And I was scanning down through news headlines and I said to Sandra Joe, I said, hey, look at that, some girl in Bristol won $20,000 at, was it Wheel of Fortune? Something like that? Now that's kind of, I take, I, I tell Sandra Joe all the time, she's a words girl. And I tell her every once in a while, she'll watch that Wheel of Fortune. I told Sandra Joe, fly to California, you'll win this thing, I'm telling you, you've got it. She's not so gung-ho, but I think she could win it. But you, you see that thing, you watch those games, and I mean, those folks are pumped, they're excited. But are they as, as excited a year later, five years later, 10 years later? I don't know, I, I don't know anybody who's ever won anything at a game show. But I do know that if you walk with the Lord and you maintain a relationship with Christ, if you spend time in his word and you come and you worship, if you will draw near to him and find in him that peace, you will be glad. Now, does it mean that you don't face fears and struggles? Of course you do. But that's why he says, I will go through the very valley of the shadow of death with you. He is going to be there to walk that walk with us in whatever it is that life brings. These folks, they gathered. They were glad even in the midst of all their struggles and all their fears. And then it's interesting when we come down to verses 21, 22, and 23, because Jesus is going to give them a purpose. And every one of us that's a believer, every one of us that comes here with all our baggage, listen, we have a purpose together. Listen to what he says to us. Then said Jesus to them again, and I like that the Bible says again, because he's, he has said this to them before. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to be told more than once. Does that ever happen to you? You know, Sandra Joe will say to me, well, Tim, I told you that. And I'll say, I, I just don't remember. So I tell her, tell me again. It's okay. I'm all right hearing it the second time. So look at what, look at what it comes down and says here. Then said Jesus unto them again, peace be unto you. As my father hath sent me, even so send I you. He says, I've told you this before, but I need to tell you again. Not only do I want you to have peace, I need you to bring and share that peace in the world. Even as my father sent me, he says, so send I you. And look as he comes down in verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. He's saying to them, Go forth. Bring the gospel message. Share with them the peace that they can have with God, the salvation that can be had through Christ, that they might be set free from their sins, that they might 
find that eternal peace that you have. We have a purpose. I was reading an article the other day about the protesters around the United States right now are protesting all different kinds of things. In fact, uh, when I was driving up to Island Pond, as I was driving along, I, I came through a town and there were two guys, two, two, it was a man and a woman standing on the side of the road, had big, great big posters, um, Black Lives Matter, and the other guy had a big poster, and it had all different faces, and it said, say their names. And this was just this week. And as I drove by, I, it just crossed my mind. People are looking for a purpose. They need a purpose. And for them, they're, they're hanging on to that movement, that purpose. There are only two of them out there, but they're committed to that purpose. And then you turn on the news and you see thousands of people standing up for uh, Hamas and the Palestinians. Then you see uh, other people, they're standing up for Israel and all that's transpiring there. And, and it really, it doesn't matter. No matter where you go, there's somebody looking for a purpose. They're wanting to champion a cause. When I was a kid in high school, we had a complete high school walkout one day. And so not current to today, we were demanding that we would have our own smoking area at the high school. <laughs> and so all of us, we got up in the middle of our classes, regional high school, there was about 1,500 students, and we all went out to the parking lot. I didn't even smoke. I just went out there and we just all stood our ground. Man, we want our own smoking spot here at high school. They gave it to us. Now, this is back in the day. People are looking for a cause, aren't they? And you and I this morning, we have a cause. You don't have to keep looking. Jesus right here gave us our cause. Our cause is to go forth as he went forth. To bring the message of peace to a world that needs to know. That God desires to reconcile with them. He wants them to have the peace that passeth understanding. He wants them to have the peace within their hearts and their souls. So that when they face the fears of life, they have peace with God. When we read these verses coming down to verse 23, all the way down through, we find people just like us. Folks who are sometimes confused and afraid. Folks who look to Jesus Christ to find their relief, their peace, their comfort. And just like us, we are people that need to hear it again. That we have a purpose. And our purpose is bigger than we are. Our purpose is to represent the Lord. But as you come down in verses 24 through the very first part of verse 29, you find the skeptic. And believe it or not, as you pulled into the parking lot here and you turned off a of Route 7 and you parked your car and you walked in here, believe it or not, in the midst of this group right here, there's probably a skeptic or two. And it's probably maybe not a person named Thomas, but it could be. 
You come down and it says Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And I will remind you, when you miss church, you miss something. They, he missed church. And Jesus was there. And when he gets together with his folks again, they say, man, you really missed a service the other night. We were all gathered together. We were afraid because of all that had transpired. And guess who showed up? Jesus. And Thomas said, not. No way. Listen to what transpires. Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, not even good enough to see it, and thrust my hand into his side. That is a skeptic, man. I'm telling you, if somebody just opened their jacket and showed me a sword hole, that might be enough. He says, not him. He says, I want to shove my hand in there. That is a skeptic, isn't it? He says, unless I can do that, I will not believe. And there are skeptics here today. I am sure. You've struggled. You've battled. People have cast doubt. You've sat in classrooms where they tell you that it's all ridiculous and a fairy tale. You've known relatives who have said to you, oh, that's just a passing phase. That's what my dad told me when I became a Christian as a teenager. He said, Tim, you'll get over it. <laughs> Haven't got over it yet. As you look in this, there are doubting Thomases among us. But you know what? We love you. And we want to be there with you. And we want to help answer your questions. And if you note here, he's back in eight days. He's back in church. He learned one lesson, and that was don't miss. You know, the first time he missed, that wasn't good. So second time he's there, he heard all about what he missed. Eight days later, he's back again. So we find verse 26. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus and the doors were shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. All the doors were shut and locked and all of a sudden appears Jesus. And he says unto them, peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, and I love this, because I have to think, I have to think, that Thomas is trying to hide behind somebody. <laughs> I've got to think Thomas is like, wow. You don't see him jumping up and saying, let me put my finger in the hole in your hand. Pull the tunic over. I want to shove my hand. You don't see him doing that. Look at what transpires as we come down. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and... And behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. Be not faithful, faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. You see, sometimes you have to be open enough 
to understand and believe. Thomas was not open the first time. That's why he popped off and said, I want to shove my finger in the holes, want to put my hand in his side. But I'm telling you, when he was ready to believe, all that was gone. He just said, my Lord, my God. Coming to faith is a personal event. It's a personal interaction between you and God. You may think, well, I know, I, I, know, I know what I believe. In fact, I was just witnessing to a guy the other day, and he looked cold hard right at me, and I've known him for years and years. And he said to me, you believe what you want to believe, and I will believe what I want to believe. And, and we're good friends, but he laid the law down, didn't he? But I'm still going to pray for him. I still share my faith with him. I don't try to jam it down his throat, but neither am I afraid to mention it. Because you know what? I have a purpose. Yes, there are skeptics. There are people because of life circumstances, because of the things they've been taught or heard or experienced. They've gone ahead and put up barriers. But when you are ready to meet Jesus, when you are ready to look at faith in a real and true and honest way, their Christ is ready for you. And Christ was ready for Thomas. He didn't rebuke him. He didn't chastise him. He didn't punish him. He just said, here I am. It's up to you. And for each of us here, we need to look to him. Matthew 12, verses 36 and 37 says, But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Doubting Thomas will be forever remembered as doubting Thomas. But he will also forever be remembered as the doubter who believed. Because he came to that place of faith. And I challenge you this morning. If you've walked in these doors as a doubting Thomas. Ask God to help you see him. Not visually. Spiritually. Ask God to help you know and understand. That Jesus died for you. You don't need to put your hands in the hole. You don't need to shove your hand in his side. You simply need to, by faith, turn from your sins and say, my God, my Lord, and receive him as your Savior. But I told you that there's yet another group here, and it's really us. He's really talking about us when we come down to the last part of verse 29. Jesus saith unto Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. That's you and me. Our generation, our parents, our children, our generation. Long since Jesus Christ walked the face of the earth. Long since Thomas was a doubter. Were people like us who will never see them in this side of heaven. 
We'll see him when we get to our heavenly home where he's gone to prepare a place for us. But here, we're not going to see him. And yet we believe. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God does not shy away from the fact that you and I believe in that which we cannot see. Now, it would be so nice if we could just go ahead and say, well, God, prove to me you're really there. Just go ahead and I, what I want you to do is, you know, I just want you to step on top of that mountain right there and I just want to see you. Or I want to see you pick up a car out here. Just pick up the car and spin it like a superhero in a movie. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things that we can conjure up in our mind and say, God, prove to me you are there. And God's response to that is, the heavens proclaim who I am. And that which you cannot see reveals that I am. For he is the God who spoke into existence all that is. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You and I are simply people who believe by faith. And we walk in our relationship with God by faith. We were created by him. We're born again in him that we might represent him. You and I are the people that Jesus was talking about when he talked to Thomas. All these generations later, we're still gathering together just as the early church gathered. We come together as common believers with all our fears, our worries, our struggles. We look for Jesus to give us peace that we might be content in him. And he does not let us down. Yes, there are doubters. Each and every one of us, as we have children and raise them up, we will have to help them go through those struggles, those doubts, those questions. That's the natural part of life. I look over here and I see this cute little baby here and I look back and I see little children back through here, down in the nursery, all of that. I know that every one of those parents, they're going to have to raise their children up through their doubts and their struggles and their questions. That's our job, mom and dad. That's not somebody else's job. You can't say to yourself, well, they'll do that down in Sunday school. No. They're going to reinforce what you've taught them at home. Don't you leave it to, to everybody else. My grandkids who've received Christ, they call me on the phone. Gramp, I'm excited. Let me tell you, I received Jesus today. And I celebrate with them. But do you know, I think every one of them has been led to Christ by either their parents or Sandy or I grandparents because we take time to talk to them it's not that we pigeonhole them down in a, a chair at the house and grill them we just talk to them going 
here, there. We talk about the Lord. That's your job. And when those questions arise, you should be ready to answer. Ready to talk. Ready to pray. Ready to help them. So that they might be part of that blessed generation. The generation spoken of by Christ himself. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. When you go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 down through 20, and we're not going to go there. But when you read down through that text, it talks about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It talks about his transformational power to give us eternal life. It talks about the work of the Holy Spirit as he dwells within us after we receive Christ as our Savior. It talks about the miracle of the Trinity coming together, binding us together, that we might be one in him and as a church built together to represent him. The text is full of so much powerful truth for you and I as a church in the year 2023. But do you know it's unchanged from the time it was written? These truths are timeless. You and I, our generation is now. But there'll be, unless Jesus comes back within the next generation, there'll be a generation after us. And they're going to open these same pages. And they're going to read down through here. And by the grace of God, they will carry your faith on. But it's up to us. It's up to us to hear again that Jesus said, as the Father sent him, so send, sends he us. To our little children, to our neighbors, to our family, our co-workers, that they too might bring their fears to the, to the house of God. That they too might come with their struggles, their questions, their doubts, and sit under the preaching and teaching of God's word that they might learn and grow. It's a timeless pattern given to us by God. Father in heaven, please be with us as we go forth. Help us to go forth even as you, bringing forth the message of peace and hope. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. He is Lord, He is Lord, He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Men, we're dismissed this morning.